Welcome to the Drag Quest Podcast. I'm your host, James Orr, and today I promise you guys some big news. Here it goes. We've got Robert Borland from episode four is the newest member of the Trad Quest podcast. What up, Robert? How you doing, James? Oh man, I'm, I'm uh, pumped. Announced that uh, we've got you full time, and I, I don't have to uh, have the weight on just my shoulders. I get to share the weight with you. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Pleasure to be here. Needed a computer tech guy, so you called me in, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me me, and Robert are uh, very computer savvy. <laughs> that's, our, <laughs> that's our biggest problem here, uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're figuring our, uh, we'll figure that out along the way. So, uh, yeah, we're you know, also uh, episode 10 is what we're looking at, and this is uh, our first Skype experience. Uh, uh, where are you at? I'm in the big town you, you of Boring, up? Oregon here. Boring, Oregon. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, on the, I'm on the edge of the world down here in North Bend, Oregon, on the coast. So, yeah, this is our first time doing an interview where we're not sitting face-to-face, and uh, it's definitely different. Yeah, hopefully... Hopefully the audio comes out okay. We had to load all kinds of stuff on our computer and been messing with it for hours here. Most people probably take about 20 minutes to figure it out, but a couple of hillbillies hours. like us. <laughs> hours? I think we've been doing it for days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hours and hours over days and days for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I don't know, why don't, why don't uh you tell us, uh, you know, what, what's going on? What's going on, Robert? Well, I, uh, not a lot's going on, I guess. guess I'm helping you out with this podcast. I guess I could tell everybody the story of kind of how it, how it got started and how you kept bugging me. Um, you know, I, I kind of talking to Andy, Addictive Archery, since we did that podcast with Brian, um, and I'm like, man, you need to do a, you need to do a traditional podcast. Cause he knows how to, computer Oh, when you stuff. guys, you guys are on, you guys are on yeah. Billy Bowman. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. somebody's, somebody's got to do this. Somebody's got to do this. Not me, obviously. Cause I, I don't I'm not very good with the computers and, and then, uh, what did I run into you at the TAO banquet last year? And, yeah, uh, and I was telling Andy again, I'm like, man, somebody's got to do this. Somebody's got to do it. Because there's so many, you know, guys in the traditional community. We got a lot of the, you know, old timers that have been doing it forever, and just, you know, some amazing bow hunters out there that nobody even knows about. And so I keep pressing Andy on it, and then we're at that banquet, and he's like, "Oh, I, you know, I talked to this guy. He's gonna do it." So then, then I uh, come over talk to James, and and we're all fired up, and we got to talking about it, and and. So that's kind of where it started. And a couple months later, I hadn't heard anything from you. And and I just knew, so, you know, somebody's got to get on it. So I called Andy. I well, said, well, I, well, I was using my computer skills, uh, <laughs> try, lack thereof, trying yeah. to figure out how to, how to get it started. And, yeah, you were my biggest cheerleader. And I remember I was like, 
well, come on, Bob, or are you gonna you gonna hop in and do it with me? And you're like, no, you got it. You can do it by yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I did. So we did. Yeah, finally, I finally called him and I said, hey, you got you know you got to get this. He's like, I'm I'm on it. I'm gonna get it in the next two weeks. And and uh, and I think about a month later, he finally got on it. But I'm impressed. I mean, it's it's uh, what episode ten now. Um, had some awesome guests on there and, and he, you kind of were, were wanting me to jump in there at the beginning and, and, uh, you know, for me, it's, uh, you know, just taking more time away from the family is kind of tough. I work a job where I'm, I just shift work. And then, you know, of course I go bow hunting a lot. So took a, took a while to convince the wife and I finally kind of got her blessing and you kept bugging me and, well, we and we got you on ep- we got you on episode four with Trent Wanger. Yeah, yeah, Trent, good dude. So, yeah, up at the Western and, States. Yeah, Western States. So that was like that was the beginning of me just slowly roping you in. <laughs> and yeah. uh, finally, I I just said, hey man, uh, you know, two is better than one. So you know, here we are, and. Uh, I'm super excited. We're uh, getting ready to meet up uh, this weekend at the TAO uh, annual Pope Young big bow shoot, uh, traditional bow shoot, broadhead shoot. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it'll be a good time. Um, shoot's been around a long time. I think you talked about about that with Alan on the last one. Been around since the yep. 30s, I think. So a lot of guys take that one pretty seriously. Um I just go to kind of get tuned up and usually, you know, see all the guys. So we got a few guys lined up to talk to down there. So that'll be fun. Give us something to do. Yeah, we're going to be recording some podcasts with some super good dudes. And we're definitely looking forward to that. And, um, you know, getting to shoot your broadheads at a bunch of 3D targets is always a lot of fun. Getting ready for elk season. I think elk season is in like... 36 days yeah it's coming right up fast maybe 30 some days and and we're going to be uh we're going to get set uh free into the woods with a deer tag and a mountain lion tag and a bear tag and an elk tag and it's just like a (laughs) free-for-all it's like redneck christmas for sure that's for sure but you have you got an antelope tag even before that so uh, yeah you're you're yeah. what a week and a half away. I'm leaving the Pope and Young Sunday, and I'm going straight over to Heart Mountain to set up my ground blind and scout for four days before the hunt begins. So I'm going to be hunting in ten days on a pretty much. Uh, I mean, it could be a once in a lifetime. I mean, I probably could get the tag again when I'm seventy years old. But it's a pretty much once in a lifetime antelope tag uh, here in Oregon, Heart Mountain. Yeah, and how many points did you have to draw that? I drew on eight. <laughs> you lucky uh, dog. Yeah, I drew. Uh, I drew about ten years early, just on the twenty-five percent pull. Um, drew one of I think four tags or six tags or I mean, sending it six tags on the on the luck. Yeah. So sooner than I ever expected it. That's awesome, man. I'm excited for you. Um, you you've had the tag though, what, two years ago? Um, I think I had it in two thousand and fourteen, so three, three seasons ago. ago, yeah. 
yeah, but it, ago. I think I had 17 points to draw it. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a fun hunt, man. Yeah. You're going to have a blast. Uh, it's hot, hot down there. Sitting in those ground blinds is, is an experience. That's for sure. You'll, uh, what? you'll be sweating it out. <laughs> I've never been to Heart Mountain. Why don't yeah. you tell me a little, a little bit about Heart Mountain and, and, uh, your Heart Mountain experience? Well, um, you know, for those listeners, I guess, that aren't from Oregon, um, Heart Mountain's an antelope refuge down in uh, kind of south-central part of the state. Um, you know, I'm not a historian, so I don't know all the details of exactly when it was set aside and all that, but it's a real neat place. You know, they got a they got a headquarters there where the biologists stay, and they study that, you know, antelope, sage grouse, uh, all that stuff. When I was up there scouting, I ran into some of the seasonal workers doing the sage grouse studies up at the hot springs and stuff. Um, kind of have a little campground right around the hot springs and it's just so a the neat hot place. Springs, the hot springs are in one of the campgrounds. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. A little hot spring and they've, they've done it up, you know, a little concrete pad, a little wall around it, kind of like a little half wall. And, um, it's pretty cool. You know, my wife, she used to go there when she was a kid Her, her dad really liked that place. So I'd never been there until I met her and, uh, knowing that I was going to draw the tag in a couple of years, I used that as an excuse to go down there the couple of years before I'd take her down there and, and, uh, do a little poking around. So they've got mule deer on heart mountain and they've got, uh, like two early seasons and a late season, uh, archery tags in there couple august hunts and i think like a rut november hunt and i'm saving up for the uh, late season november hunt i think it takes like 13 or 14 points and i've got like 10 or 11 so it's uh gonna be neat to go there and, and check that out and i know that there'll be a deer hunt going on at the same time as my antelope hunt but the deer are up high at that time of year and yep. the antelope are down lo- down low yeah yep uh, there's a few deer down lower um i saw and one. a few antelope up, up higher, higher. Right? yeah yep for sure but yeah most of the guys those those deer guys are are up in the hills um i saw one nice buck while i was down there scouting down in the flats but the deer from what i've heard have taken a pretty big hit from the mountain lions you know the the guys that have that you talked to that hunted it back in the 90s and the deer numbers have just kind of plummeted in there which is kind of sad because from what it used to be yeah it used to be kind of like a, a place that was really special for mule, mule deer hunting a lot of a lot of guys really coveted their time uh in, in that unit yep yeah well once you uh t- tell us uh you know the trials and tribulations of your uh pronghorn hunt in there yeah yeah talk some antelope hunting huh so i guess yeah. um i'd only been antelope hunting one time before uh, kind of on our pretty much a every year draw down in Southern Oregon. There's a few units that are pretty easy for us to draw antelope and that hunt. I just tried to spot and stalk them. And from doing that, I mean, that's, it was impossible. I spent so yeah. much time. I mean, I would crawl up to hundred yards and get to where I thought they were going, you know, and wait for hours. And then all of a sudden, they just take off running just antelope like to run and i don't know they they make no sense to me so 
when we went down there um, on that Hart Mountain, we we planned on hunting the ground blinds. I got a buddy of mine that drew it with me. Um, and actually, the same year I had it, a couple other TAO members um, also drew the hunt. And Dave Dorn, who uh, recently passed away, he, he'd had the tag a couple years before I did. So I talked to him and the and the first scouting trip I had, he's kind of on the way from my house to the refuge. So he was nice enough to invite me over and I stopped by his place and, and, uh, he shared, you know, just kind of his experience on the hunt and some of the water holes and stuff on the maps and got me kind of lined out. And so, you know, I went down there, I spent a couple trips scouting around, um, just checking the water holes and looking for any giant antelope. I never saw any real giant ones. The two biggest ones I saw were right by refuge headquarters, which you can't hunt within a three-mile radius, I think it is, of the refuge. So so I kind of just scouted around until, um, you know, I found the water hole. I saw the bit, couple of the biggest antelope going to, and that's where I set up my blind. You know, that the rules are there you can't set up your blind until a week before the season. So a lot of guys go down there. It would be, you know, whatever that midnight is seven days before. And you actually, you know, then you can put out your blind. So that's what we did. We went back down there after scouting and hung out and waited until midnight, set up our blind and then drove home, which is kind of a pain, but. So how was setting up a blind in the middle of the night? Well, I, kind of what he did is we just kind of the the blinds that I hunted me and my buddy were on the same road so we just kind of you know it was a dead-end road so we just kind of stayed back and waited hung out drank a few beers you know got there in the afternoon and waited until it got close to dark because we knew nobody else was gonna you know drive in there and then once it got close to dark um we drove in there with our blinds and kind of waited. Well, I, I'd brought a range finder with me just to kind of, you know, see how far it was to the water. Cause I'd been there scouting, but I never really checked it out to put a blind out. So my water hole, I went out right before dark, like, okay, I'm going to just put an X, you know, marks the spot, figure it all out while it's light out. So I go out there and I, I I kind of find my spot and I range across there to the other side of the water and it was 40 yards and it didn't, you know, you're out in the middle of the desert. It doesn't look very far at all. And I'm like, Oh right. man, I mean, that's a poke. And yeah, but I mean, too far I'm, for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm committed and I, and my point on's right at 40. So I think, you know, and I was, I'd shot in a mule deer about that far uh, the season before. So my confidence was pretty high. I'm like, I got this no problem, you know? And so I set that thing up and, and then my, you know, buddy set his up and, and, uh, and it was just, a, it's kind of a disaster from there. Those antelope, whether you can hit them at 40 or not, they're not going to be there when my uh, wood arrow finally makes it. That's kind of what I, what I, what I realized after missing a few of them on video. So, uh, yeah, um, definitely recommend trying to get in that 25 ish range if you can so so uh were, were you sitting uh sun up to sundown yeah pretty much you know it's not like it wasn't like an elk hunt you know where 
where you're going to sit there, at least for me, you know, I didn't wait until the very last minute of daylight. Um, I mean, they, they come in at all times. It seemed like it was better in the middle of the day when it was super hot. Um, but we still had some come in early in the morning too, and some come in right before dark. So, uh, you know, the first day, I think we each sat in our blinds and, uh, and I missed, as I said, I think I missed one that first day. And, and after missing that one, I was just like, this is, this, I'm not going to get one out of this blind. It's too far. So my buddy that I went with, he was a compound shooter. He had the training wheels. So, so I told him, you know, come sit at my blind. There's tons of antelope coming and, uh, you know, it's just too far for me. So, so he came and we sat together the second day, which, which was nice because sitting in those sweat boxes, you know, when, when you're sitting in those blinds, you got everything closed up. There's no breeze, you know, it's a hundred degrees. You're out in the desert. I mean, it's hot. So, so it was cool were to kind of partner sh- up. Were you shooting, um, sitting down or were you shooting off your knees in the blind? I, um, I had to kneel down. So I had to actually get off my seat and kind of kneel down. Cause I didn't, you know, I didn't have a, I was shooting my bow was, I think 62 inches. Um, so out of, out of my blind, I had to kneel down to shoot. Now out of the blind my buddy had, it was a taller one that I actually borrowed from Andy. That's the one he had set up and it was a little taller so I could shoot out of my little seat with that one. But it, it kind of depends on, on where your window's at, you know, like, um, those windows are adjustable, but you know, if you can, if the water holds down, downhill too far from you or, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So so my experience so far is I borrowed a couple blinds from a few different friends and they're, they're in my yard. And I, and I was also fortunate enough to borrow a Reinhardt antelope target from my local archery club. So I've got this all in my yard. Yeah. So I've been shooting and the one blind is like, I think it's a Barrett big Mike and it's like 80 some inches tall and it's huge. It's like yeah. giant, like it's, it's monstrous. And, but the, the windows are up high. And so your only option is to shoot sitting down. And I, I it was terrible. I cannot, I can't shoot. I can't like activate my back tension very well sitting down. Yeah. And so I was, I was practicing and practicing and I was like, I'm going to injure an antelope. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And so I got the double bull blind out, which is like, I think it's the recurve model. It's the taller of them, but it's a lot smaller than this big deluxe giant blind that I was sitting in. But the windows are a lot lower. And I got in there and I was shooting. Now I'm shooting off my knees. And I've always shot off my knees. And so it's it's money. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I'm I'm just drilling the antelope. I can shoot out of that blind so good. So I think my plan is is to sit in your comfortable chair that I'm borrowing from you. Yeah. And then when an antelope comes in, drop down to my knees and execute the shot from my knees. Yeah, that's a that's a solid plan. I think um, most of those it it depends on your water hole, I guess. But for most of the time, you can see them coming from a you know long ways away. It's almost like you know, a lot of the water holes out there on a, 
old dry lake bed, you know, and there's just kind of like a little bitty water hole left in the middle. And the dry lake bed I was sitting on, I mean, it went for, it was probably two miles long. So you're just kind of sitting there and watching the heat waves all day. And then all of a sudden, like you know, like kind of seeing stuff after a while. And then, oh, here they come. They'll come running in, you know. So you kind of yeah. have some time. But, I mean, I don't know. You're going to this I top mean, I, top secret water hole, so I I've never seen it, so I don't I don't know. But usually yeah. you should have some time. Yeah, and I, I I was shocked on how difficult it was to shoot sitting down. Um, I shoot um, a 62 inch longbow, and I use a clicker, and I really get into my back tension, and I just really had a hard time uh, executing the shot from the sitting down position and getting my back muscles into it. I, I was really shocked at something I'm going to have to work on, but for now I'm going to, I'm going to stick to what works for me, um, and get that two points of contact and be on my knees. And, uh, it seems like a better deal. Yeah. I wish, I wish I would have shot out of mine a little more. I, I can shoot sitting down fine. I'm kind of used to that from the tree stand, you know, and, and I've never had an issue. It it seemed like the issue for me was, you know, like, I don't know, the instinctive shooting or what, but just having your whole sight window is way different when you're, when you're shooting through a little hole. You know, we, we started out with the blind. I had a double bulls. Both of the blinds were double bulls. And so we started out with, you know, a nice kind of decent sized window in the front, you know, thinking, oh, whatever, this will be fine. But seemed like every antelope that came in just had us nailed, you know, and they just, they wouldn't come in. So, I mean, by the time we got to where we were getting shots at them, I mean, I was shooting through a very small little hole and just your whole sight picture changes. You know, you're used to, you know, instinctives kind of like, you know, riding a bike. And when everything just changes, I, I don't know. And, and so you're shooting through that little port, the portholes. No, I had the, the matrix 360 that okay. that the whole thing would open up you know we started kind of there and then i just had you know a little bit cracked down like a little smiley face almost right right but you know uh so it, i mean i didn't have a antelope target to shoot at so you're not gonna have any excuses <laughs> <laughs> well i'll tell you I've only had a couple really good days here on the coast where it wasn't blowing 70 miles an hour. <laughs> uh, the last like three or four days I've gone out to practice and I'm like, well, I'm going to try this out. And I had the blind actually blew across my yard and oh, no. down, down the field and somewhere else I had to go get it and bring it back and pitch it back into the ground. And so I don't know how windy it's going to be on my antelope hunt, but I wasn't very impressed with uh, my shooting in the extreme winds out of the ground blind, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, don't remember any super high winds, so have, that'll be good. I, I know for me, uh, you know, like I was on somewhat of a dry year, and I've heard that this year might be a little wetter. So very on, wet, like wetter the, than. Yeah, it can be tough. I mean, I've heard from guys it's real tough on it. You know on a wet year. Cause I don't know if it's true or not, but when I drew the tag, they give out 20 tags total, I believe. And, um, I mean, they said 26. there was 26. Um, yeah. 
they said that I heard from a couple different people that there's only, you know, that year on a really dry year, there's only like 15 water holes or something, you know? And so, uh, you know, you might not have the same luck I had, you know, so don't get too discouraged if, if they're not just piling in like, like I had it. So, yeah, I think they're going to be, um, that's very wet. It's like wetter than it's been in like 50 years or something. And so there's a lot of water and these, these water holes are lakes and it's gonna, you know, some guys say it's going to be very difficult. Um, I, I'm going to, I've, I've got a, uh, friend, uh, Dave Brinker senior, and he's sending me to some secret water hole that <laughs> is usually like a puddle, but right now it's actually a water hole. And it's super remote. Uh, supposedly, you know, it's out there uh, beyond the rainbow and, uh, you know, uh, way out where there'll be no hunters. And it, it and it's a slam dunk and it's a guarantee. And this all sounds great. <laughs> I don't I don't believe it, but, yeah. you know, well, he would be the one to know it sounds like so. Yeah, he's Mr. Heart Mountain. Yeah, it's good so. good intel to have. It'll be yeah. fun, man. It's an, it's a neat place. It's good to get your season started off early, you know, anytime you go bow hunting the beginning of August, it's a bonus. Yeah, so I'm I'm super excited. It's going to be a ton of fun and it's going to be my first experience. Uh I mean, I've hunted plenty by myself, but I usually go back to camp with other guys. And so I'm going to be out in the middle of the desert, real remote uh, by myself for, I don't know, until I get an antelope. So it could be, <laughs> it could be a couple of weeks. Uh, I've got some books to read. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be tough, man. I, I wish I could go with you. I got right now is my busy time at work. You know, I got to work all my extra shifts so I can take off for elk season. And, and then you find out you draw this tag. I already got all them booked up, but it is, that's going to be a soul searcher there. Cause it's, it's hot in those blinds, I'll tell you. Most guys, uh, and this is what Dave told me too before I went. He said, he told me, he said, I wouldn't even go, you know, I wouldn't, I just go down there the second day. I think it's only like a 10 day season, right? Uh, nine. Nine days, yeah. So he's like, I just go down there the second day and you'll have your pick of whatever water hole you want, you know, go put out your blind because everybody's done, you know, by the second day. And I'm like, what? No way. But, Sure enough, man, he was right. You know, most guys, they sit a day or two in those blinds, and they're like, well, I'm not holding out for a big one anymore. I'm just going to whack the next one that comes in because it's hot. So I could see that, too, out, out west where we are used to being on the move and uh, the ambush hunting uh, like we employ on blacktails with tree stands is not very popular. And most guys are like – you know, they're coming from a on the move type of hunting and they get this antelope tag in their pocket and they have no, uh, experience doing ambush hunting. And so after a day or two of sitting besides it just being hot, they're bored per se, and they're probably just ready to, uh, shoot one and go home. And, you know, for us, a lot of guys don't want to use all their time off and they want to save it for elk season. So that's a 
small part of it too. I think I, I know that was with the yeah. group of guys I went. That's, that's weighing on my mind for sure. <laughs> like I don't have a problem sitting. I will see how sitting in the heat and a blind goes. Um, but I do all day sits in the tree stand in, in the cold weather and I'm fine with that. Um, but I, I am thinking the more days that I am at there, the I'm burning into my elk hunting days off. That's, that's, that's just real. I mean, that's the reality. Yeah. But you also, you also have to remember you'll never, you'll probably never get this tag again. So, I mean, I, I think I killed mine on the fourth day and granted that wasn't because I was just holding out. I missed a bunch of them, you know, I missed several of them. So, um, just try to remember that, you know, if you get bored or get in a hurry, just, just, take it easy. And if, if it's a scorcher, you know, if I give you any advice and you're on day two or three and you're getting burnt out, just take a half a day off and go up and hang out in the hot springs, you know, and just relax. You know, something I've kind of learned, had to learn over the last, you know, however many years I've been bow hunting. Now that I'm lucky enough with my job and everything and I get a hunt most of the season, whenever it is season. And it used to be, I'd have a week or 10 days and, you know, drive three States over and not sleep and get up and just go, 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 go and shoot. You know, you just burn yourself out now. And you know, I can't, I don't have that in me for 30 days straight anymore. So, you know, like last year, I think I, I was on, you know, day 12 or something one elk, you know, of elk season and I was kind of getting burnt out. So, so I, I took a day off, you know, and then I came back and I was ready to go. So yeah, if you get kind of sure. burnt out, man, just, just take a day off, you know, or take a half a day and, and, uh, go check out the site, smell the roses a little bit. Yeah. That's, I think that's solid advice. Uh, I even, you know, thought, well, if, if, if I get tired, you know, I'm almost better off just taking a nap in that blind than I am, uh, not being there at all. Yeah. I mean, uh, so I, I've got a uh, Jim Akinson's new book. Yeah. I've been wanting to read, read that for a while. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to tear that thing apart. And I've got a couple other books that have been, uh, sitting around looking at me that I haven't got to. So I got that going for myself. For and sure. And, uh, yeah, it's, it should be awesome. I love antelope meat. I've had, I've got to eat it quite a bit. And so that, yeah, that's, that was, that's my wife's favorite, that antelope. Um, she loved it. She's always hounding me to go antelope hunting again. Cause it's definitely her favorite. I, uh, I Googled antelope today and I, I always thought they were related to goats cause people call them speed goats. And I learned that they're not related to goats. Uh, matter of fact, they're not related to anything. They're their uh, own species. Uh, uh, anything and everything that was related to them died off. And they're the original ungulate of North America. They've been here for a million years. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. No kidding. Uh, yeah, I mean, elk and deer found their way here one way or another, but the antelope, the pronghorn is actually what they are. Um they also are the only horned animal 
that have multiple points, you know, because they have those cutters. Mm-hmm. So they have a they're a branched horn because they don't have antlers; they have horns. And they're also the only horned animal that shed their horns. So those are interesting uh, things about the pronghorn that I didn't know about till today. Yeah, they're one of a kind. That's for sure. They'll, you know, you'll watch them come to your water hole from a mile away they'll just come running in and then they'll get about 50 yards out and they'll slow down they'll look at the water hole and there there's all these little birds i don't know i called them water birds that'd be hanging out around the water hole and they they come in and get water and then they fly off and we'll come in and get fly off and and those antelope they come in from a mile away they got to be thirsty just going that far you know and then uh, they get right up there, and you'd think, oh, man, I'm going to get a shot, I'm going to get a shot. And then those birds would fly off, and it spooked the antelope, and they just take off and not come back. I guess they went to the next water hole. I don't know, but very, very unpredictable creature, that's for sure. So, yeah, uh, I've, I've, I've been around them mule deer hunting, you know, not in Hart Mountain, but a, another place that I hunt, you know, in southeast Oregon. And I know if we get some bucks and we got embedded some some muleys, and then we see antelope in that drainage, we leave. We don't even hunt those deer. We leave them for the next day or for later in the day. Because if the antelope even see you skyline yourself or see movement, they start charging around and they spook the bucks off. And I mean they're freaks. That's for sure. Yeah, they like to run. So, uh, what bow are you going to be shooting over there? Oh, I'm I'm uh, I'm shooting uh, a the latest and greatest from Blacktail Bows. It's their Colombian longbow that uh, was redesigned this year. It's a 62 inch like hybrid longbow, mm-hmm. and I'm shooting uh, Sherwood shafts. Doug Fur, I think they're seventy-five eighties with a Grizzly one sixty uh, up front for the business end of things, uh, single bevel. Um, so it's uh, sh- should do the trick. Is this uh, your first wood arrow attempt? Yeah, um, I- I've been kind of talking about it on the podcast here and there that. I've been dragging my feet on wood arrows for a few years now, and I finally rigged some up oh, a couple months ago. And, man, I, I felt like I just re-fell in love with traditional archery. Wood arrows are a ton of fun. My, my first uh, set tuned really fast and quick. These ones are giving me a little bit of – been a little bit finicky, but I'm getting them figured out. and They're definitely – you have to throw that whole like carbon arrow, high FOC like mindset out the window and and revisit like a, a whole different you know school of thought with a you know a heavy shaft and it's it's a different experience but I I love how quiet they are you know it's like the the bow has soul and now the arrow has soul uh, I don't I, I don't know how to explain it. I'm yeah. not sure, but I fell in love right away. I was like, no way. These are so cool. Yeah. They just, they just feel right. I guess I've, yeah, you, I've experimented can... a little bit with the carbons and stuff. You know, I just, the, 
the first deer I killed with a recurve was with aluminums. Um, and then I went straight to the woods and I'm pretty, pretty simple when it comes to all the, all the tuning and all that stuff. I don't, I, you know, I kind of just, if I find what's shooting perfect, I just leave it. So that's where I've stayed since then. Um, back then I had, there was a guy up in Vancouver who had a little archery shop, Bull Mountain Archery, and and I went up to him, and he made me some up, and and they were Sherwood shafts, 7580s, I think, and and they flew perfect. So that's what I've been shooting ever since. I haven't I haven't oh. really messed with the carbon era yet. Um, I've thought about it a lot. You know, I I got when I was kind of growing up, Paul Schaefer was kind of my my hero. You know, I was a wrestler and everything and he was he was bow hunter guy i'm sure everybody listening to this has heard of him and he shot um he shot off of an elevated rest and he shot with veins so i think if i ever went the carbon carbon way i'd give that a shot because i just like how you know quiet the veins are compared to the feathers like seems like most of the animals have shot at missed over the years with the with the recurve has been because they jumped the string and i know they do that for a number of reasons not just the feathers but well i I don't think you with carbons you can get away with a lot smaller feathers and so i'm not sure about the vein thing that just doesn't sound trad enough for me Yeah, but well, but you can run some smaller feathers uh, and really pump up the FOC and load all your arrow weight. Like I'm shooting, I think a 650 grain wood arrow, and only 160 grains of that's up front. Where before I shot a 650 grain carbon arrow, and 350 of that was up front. Yeah, so big difference. And I'm running four four inch fletch where before I was running at one point I was running four two inch fletch. So wow. it's, two it's a inch. different, yeah. And I ended up settling on three inch, but I did play with two inch for a while. So, you know, to back up when you talked about uh, how you just kind of, you know, don't do a lot of tuning and you just found what shoots for you and you stuck with it and it just works for you and you just roll with it. That uh, that brings to mind how great uh, you're gonna be for uh, me and the, you know this this team we've got going the TradQuest team, uh, Bob the bow hunter and myself, because <laughs> man you're gonna find uh, I'm an overanalyzer. Yeah. So, yep. so definitely opposites in that that spectrum for sure. So. Which which is great. Like it, it it'll it'll be good for I think for both of us, you know. And uh, I give you free reign to be like, dude, you're overanalyzing it. And I, I can, I'll hear, I'll be like, copy. Okay. Yeah, I was I was telling my wife that tonight. I was telling her because because uh, uh, you know I guess our listeners don't know, but we we tried this last night for a few hours to figure out this whole Skype thing and. And we're messing around with stuff. And finally we're like, all right, it's not going to work. We'll try it again tomorrow. And so, so I, I looked up a couple videos, you know, and I, I, I just, okay, I think I got it. This wire goes here. That goes there. I think I got this. 
And James gets off work today and he calls me and he goes, okay, I, I looked, I got all the research and I, and I, you know, if we go and you download this thing and this works better than this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Hey man, let's just try to record one and see if that works. Let's try one thing at a time. And so it's yeah. pretty funny because I was telling my wife the same thing. She's like, well, that'll be good. And I was like, yeah, I think it will be good. So, yeah. But Hey, my, uh, you know, what, what, what we're doing right now is, uh, my plan B at least. So yep, it yep. seems to be working. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Plan A had I had great uh, hopes and ambitions for it, but I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm going, uh, oh well, uh, whatever works. So yeah, sometimes, we'll uh, sometimes less is more. Yeah, and I think you know, it, it's just how you're. You know, there's plenty of super successful bow hunters out there that are that are super anal guys. You know, really always tinkering and then there's a lot of you know really successful guys that that just stick with the same thing and and I that's part of the reason I love listening to podcasts because I love hearing those guys and and just everybody you know not everybody does it different but there's there's different ways to go about it you know yeah but at the same time I'm I'm not far off like I'm a one bow guy kind of like yourself Mm -hmm. like I get a, I get a bow and and once I got her shooting, that's the bow I shoot. Um, I don't even really hold on to bows. Like if I move on to another bow, I usually get rid of the other one I had. And once I, you know, I shot basically the same carbon arrow setup for. I mean, I tried a few things in the off season, but I stuck to the same thing pretty much for like six or seven years. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do like to find what works, but I like to have confidence that not only is it working, but like it's work, it works out like on paper and, you know, not like, not, not just paper tuning, but you know, just that, I don't know. I, I like, <laughs> I go to, I overanalyze. Yeah. Uh, and, and well, I, un- I underanalyze, so. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, that that's great. So you, uh, as we're jumping around the rabbit holes, uh, let's go back to Heart Mountain. We're on day four. And yeah, I think missed... it was day four. You know, I had, so I had, it was um, me, my buddy, his brother that, you know, we've kind of hunted together. And then two of his cousins had the tag. We all had a million points, so we decided just to cash it in all together. And these, those guys are all, you know, compound shooters. And, man, I was just like, I'm going to show these guys what's up, you know. And, uh, it, I was a disgrace to traditional archery. I just kept missing the dang things. And after you miss a couple, what happens? You know, like you start to think about it. And when you start thinking about it, uh So, finally, on day four... I think I'd missed three other antelope or something. Um, I switched and went over to my buddy's blind, which was on a smaller lake. Um, I had switched that the third day because he went with me the second day. He killed his antelope on mine, and then I went back with him the third day. I think I missed one the third day, and then the fourth day. And and part of my problem, too, if I'm going to throw out some excuses, is uh, I had a kind of had a jacked up shoulder 
And so when I would, when I was missing, I'd go back to camp, you know, at night and I just, you know, shoot and shoot and shoot. And then my shoulders fried and just kind of a combination of errors. So finally I had a, a nice, ended up being a really nice antelope come in that fourth day and about 20 yards and, and, uh, you know, I, I drilled him, hit him at just a touch high, but he was, he was, uh, you know, down in there drinking at the water. So it went down in, I hit that artery right above the, right below the spine and it went down in there and I was shooting a woodsman. So it made a, made a big hole and he, he actually took and he did like a couple circles just ran in a couple circles i had so i bailed out of the blind because there was a big mound right behind my blind and he took off running he went behind that mound so i wanted to see where he went so so i bail out of the blind and i had my quiver off my bow so i didn't have any arrows or anything and i bail out and and here he comes he's running back around and i'm like what what is he doing you know so i go in to get another arrow and and he, you know, by the time I get back out, he's gone. It was just kind of like a big disaster. He took off running across the flat, this big open dry lake bed, and, and he got right to the other side. And finally, you know, he kind of did a couple steps, and and that was it. So, dang, took a few so, days. But luckily, my well, my buddy Steven was super patient. You know, hung out with me, sweated it out with me a few extra days. That's a good hunting partner right there. And, and uh and we finally got it done so you hit him with the uh woodsman yep three blade broadhead uh hooked to a sherwood shaft yep i was shooting sherwood shafts um actually i I was making my own at that time because that was kind of before andy really started taking off with his arrows and 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 this could have been part of the reason i was having some issues too um I ended up after I got back from that hunt, I ended up, you know, shooting and my arrows were flying, not flying real gray. I was like, what the heck is going on? Well, I had made, you know, I got one of those little dippers and, and I had made arrows the season before or the, yeah, it was the fall before that. So that November I had a tag, um, and I'd started making arrows then. And what happened is that the the lacquer thinner, I must not have put enough in there or something, you know, I was using that Thunderbird stuff and and uh and I was dipping them a couple different coats on them. Well I <laughs> I ended up weighing my first ones where I killed a deer on that November hunt, right? And they weighed what I usually shoot, you know, at that time it was like six hundred and fifty grains. And then I weighed the arrows I was shooting on that antelope hunt and they were, uh, like 780. So <laughs> I had let the stuff get, and I noticed when I was doing it, I'm like, man, it's not really running off like it did before weird, you know? And so by the time I put three coats on those things, man, they were, uh, it, you know, so again, my attention, to, my attention to detail is not, not great. So I don't make my own arrows anymore. I let Andy do that. Dang. Yeah. I've, 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 I bought my first set of arrows from a pro shop when I got a compound 
like 10 years ago. And then right from there, I started making my own, um, arrows. Even when I, back when I had, I only shot compound for two years, but I made all my own arrows. And then, so when I switched to traditional, I was already, I already had bits and burgers and I was already making arrows. So even when I went to woods, I was, it's just a natural thing for me to make my own arrows. I couldn't really imagine having someone else make my arrows for me. Um, but sometimes I think it's a lot of work. Like it, it would be nice. And Andy does such an awesome job. I, I don't make nothing as fancy as what he makes, but there, I, I take some pride in, in my arrows. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I like, I don't like the tedious work, you know, it's just, I'm not real. I'm, I'm a rough end type guy. So it right. works out. It works out good to find a good arrow guy for me. And that was the the reason I was making my arrows at that time was because uh, Brock, the guy that was that had started making my wood arrows, he had moved back east. So uh. I and I had ran out. And uh, well, okay. So you know, I I knew what spine range they were. So I just ordered the shafts from the Sherwood guys and and did my thing. And so you're shooting a seventy five eighty. Yes, I shoot a seventy-five eighty. Um, right now, um, I shoot. You know, I'm shooting my black tail. I have a sixty-six inch one piece that's about fifty pounds and um, recurve. Recurve, yeah. And I shoot thirty-one. My arrows are thirty-one and a quarter, um, and they weigh out at about six hundred fifteen grains. And I just shoot a hundred twenty-five grain tip. That's kind of all I've ever shot my whole life, even back in the compound day. So that's pretty simple. Yeah. It seems like it. Um, contemplating I, on, I'm contemplating on sampling up my, 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 I, I, I keep simplifying as, as I go. <laughs> well, find what works and stick with stick it. Stick with it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, do you got any, uh, uh, sound advice for, uh, you know, I know you've already given me some tips and tactics, but you know, a guy going over there besides taking a break, if I get burned out, like, you know, what, what, uh, what other kind of, uh, tips and tactics do you, do you have for this guy? Oof. Well, I'm not an expert in the antelope field by any means, but, uh, yeah, I mean, stay cool. Don't be afraid to just take your pants off. That's, uh, <laughs> That's what, I, you know, me and my buddy sitting in the blind in your underwear, don't be scared to do it because it is hot. I mean. Some some guys at work yeah. were saying that. They were like, yeah, I can see it. You're going to be in there with uh, uh, naked. And I was like, well. Now, did you wear a black shirt and black face makeup and all that? Yep. Yeah, I did. Yep. With no pants. That's my with tip. With no pants. <laughs> <laughs> because, dude, I'm telling you, it is hot. There's no breeze. I mean, it is, oh. there is no breeze. So, so like I was telling you, we've been having the wind. Well, Saturday was like the only day where I live in the summertime. It is just so windy. It's retarded. Um, but it was not windy, not a breath. And I went out there and got into the blinds at like noon. They'd been sitting up in my yard and the big blind is kind of plasticky. Mm-hmm. And it was really bad. Like I got into that thing and it was like a sweat house. And then I got into the double bull and it's more like canvassy. And 
it was still super hot, but let me tell you that plastic type bland, that was ridiculous. Yeah. That was that was intolerable. Well, I, I mean, I you've see. you've worked construction, I'm sure, right? I mean, just yeah. just picture a little bit. sitting in a Schultzy when it's about a hundred degrees out. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what it's like without the blue water. Right. Yeah. Yep. So that sounds uh, that sounds like it's going to be a good time. Yeah. I mean, you can always try to spot and stock them too. I mean, if you get bored too, you know, like. You know, well, I've got your, I've got, I've got your antelope hat. Yeah, that and, might work, and, man. Uh, I, I, when I, when I was scouting over there, I was, uh, I hiked out to some water holes that were a long ways from the road, you know, just to check them out. And I walked up on a couple of them, you know, and kind of coming over a rise. I'm like, dang, you know, almost within range. Um, there was actually the, um, there was a guy over there that Nate Simmons from Eastman's Journal was over there the same year I had it, uh, and that he was trying to spot and stalk him. Now, I never talked with him. My buddy did, and I never saw a picture of him with an antelope, so I don't right. know how it worked out. But My my buddy Gary Wallace has that same hat, and he was hunting in the uh, neighboring unit in the uh, Warner, and he actually army crawled with that hat on into range. I believe he even got a shot, but, but missed, um, with that hat on. Yeah. That's so, a good hat, man. Know, yeah. <laughs> what is it? At? It's, What's it called? I think it's called the uh, be the decoy. Be the decoy. Yeah. They make, I was, they make antelope ones and elk ones. And, um, I was thinking I'd wear it when I'm walking through the desert on my way to the blind. Yeah. Yeah. There or, you or, go. Well, I guess that'll be in the dark. So I don't know if that's going to do me any good, but, uh, I don't know. So, yeah. Um, what about, uh, so 10 days at hunt, what'd you say? Eight days, nine days, 10 days, nine, nine days. And then you're coming back and then it's going to be almost elk season. Right. So yeah. Like another two weeks. I'll come back and within within less than two weeks it'll be elk season and I'm gonna have to. Well, I'm working out in the elk woods right now, uh, doing salmon habitat work, um, and I'm I'm actually working in. Well, I'm gonna be transitioning into the public ground that I hunt uh, during elk season, so I'm gonna have that one up of uh, working and scouting, or I mean working in the same place that I hunt. So that'll be yeah, you know, benefic- beneficial. That'll be nice. Uh, and sometimes I get lazy on the scouting because I kind of know the ground so well, and I just kind of know where to go. But it it really is to, good to you know at least a few weeks before season to get out there and get your eyes on some bulls and 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 have a game plan at least for opening morning. Yeah, that's that's something that I have not done this year. I haven't been able to make it out hardly at all. Part of it, same thing. You know, I've, I'm hunting the same place I hunted last year and the year before. Um, so I, now you're you know, going East, right? Yep. Yep. Going over East. So it's, you know, the, the bulls over there, I'm kind of hunting some desert country and, and they move around a lot. So going over there and finding bulls right now doesn't really do you any good. Cause they'll be, you know, maybe 10, 20 miles away by the time season comes. And I, from hunting it the last couple of years, we kind of know, you know, 
where they'll probably be. So I uh, right. haven't made it over, and I love I love scouting. You know, it's one of my favorite things to do. But but it gets hard. You know, you got the wife and kids, and and uh, you're taking a month off. They don't like it when you take more time. So I try to save it for if I draw some other units around. You know, areas I don't I'm, know. I'm going to be hunting Roosevelt's here on the coast in the jungle nice. and they don't, they don't move around very much and they kind of rely on the thick brush and steep terrain to stay covered up. And so, but I kind of, you know, I understand that game and I, I hunted East, uh, in Eastern Oregon the last couple of years and that's a ton of fun. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and pound the local ground and uh quite honestly i i love elk hunting and uh you know i really need to put one in the freezer uh, but i'm really kind of got my eyes set on some mule deer hunting which is only possible i've limited my like i got a limitation on myself that i've got to get an elk in the freezer before <laughs> i go mule deer hunting um so i'm hoping to get an elk um it's three points or better bull elk in the main unit I hunt, or I can go a little further south and it's any elk. So I'm hoping to get an elk in the freezer so I can head over east and hunt some mule deer. We'll see how that works out for me. Yeah, hopefully that works. That'd be great. Uh, what 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 other uh, plans do you have this season? Well, um, so deer and elk, you know, the early season, September. I should have most of the month, so that's good. Um, and then I usually do a late, going to try to do a late deer hunt um, out of state November and maybe even one in December. Those will just be probably for about a week. I kind of, I negotiate all my time with the wife. So right. uh, my current negotiation is six weeks, which... Uh, sounds like a lot, and she'll t- she tells you that's a lot, which it is, I guess. But uh, the rest of the year, I'm pretty much making up for it. So, hence the right. no scouting. So, if I can if I can get my deer and elk out of the way a little sooner, then that'll also open up the late season where I can go a little bit longer. Also, so that's yeah, kind of always my plan. It never happens that way. Last year, I got lucky. I think I killed my bull in the ninth and and i i uh i didn't really hunt much after that because i had shoulder surgery five months before season and and uh my shoulder was kind of killing me (laughs) so probably shouldn't have been shooting my bow even for that elk so i kind of just hung out and helped my brother dad after i got mine so hopefully you know i can get it done a little early and I mean, I like hunting all the seasons. I love elk hunting. I like mule deer hunting. Um, but I really like hunting in November when there's snow on the ground and it's cold and and the days are shorter, you know. Yeah, and we're going to try to suck you into our uh, out-of-state whitetail camp this year that we're planning on, me and Andy and a couple, a group of guys are going to do it and we're going to... Hope your uh, wife will let you go. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. That's 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 what I'm hoping. Yeah, that'll be good. How's your shoulder doing? And my shoulder's great, man. I'm I'm super excited. This is this is the first year. You know, I I had a 
torn labrum, I guess it was, and a torn bicep tendon. It's something I've been dealing with since I was probably, you know, 20 or even younger. So the doctors finally did a contrast MRI and figured out what it was. So this is the first year I'm able to shoot without any pain. So it's it's nice. And that's part of the reason, you know, I've had to kind of switch back and forth over the years from the recurve. A couple times I had to go back to the compound, which is really tough. Um, but when you can't pull it back, you don't really have a choice, you know. So right. I feel great, man. I, I definitely don't have any excuses to miss <laughs> this year. That's for sure. Um, that's awesome. So I'm excited. I'm excited to go to yeah, the I'm shoot sure. this weekend. You know, it, it's been years since I've been able to shoot a 3D course, you know, without shooting. I kind of got to where I'd mostly stump shoot, and then if I did go to a shoot, I'd shoot every couple, three targets. You know, I'd skip three or four and shoot again and just – too much pain so yeah you were just milking it huh yeah <laughs> yeah Jeez. Yep. yep well uh I'm, I'm super excited robert to have you uh doing the podcast with me i'm not uh, all by myself anymore um we have been talking every day we're super excited we've got a really cool guest list uh, lots of awesome people coming onto the podcast, uh, lots of really good topics. Um, it's going it, to, I think bringing, uh, bringing you on, we're going to be taking this thing to the next level. It's going to be really exciting. I hope, uh, you know, you know, our listeners, uh, really appreciate me sucking you on here because I sure do. Well, we'll see, I guess. Your ratings will probably go way down. <laughs> but we'll see. I, You know, if there is one thing that um, I'm an expert at nothing, but when it's BSing about hunting, that's that's probably my thing. So yeah, you, you can talk all the techie bow stuff, and uh, when it comes to hunting, I'll, I can chime in usually on just about any subject. So Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about it. I think – I think uh, we're going to be uh, a really good team, and I'm excited to uh, get a chance to go, you know, do some hunting with you in the future, and you know, you know talk elk hunting and deer hunting with all these wealths of knowledge that we have at our fingertips. That's for sure, man. We got we got some good people lined up, so it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be super fun. I can't wait. Well, we just we just got to uh, figure out all this computer stuff. <laughs> yeah, we got to we, we got to get we got to get techie somehow. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, I think it's uh about 12:30 at night and I know I've put in a 12-hour day and uh, at work and I've got to get up and do it again tomorrow. So this is uh was supposed to be a test run that turned into a podcast, hopefully. Yep. Um uh, so, yeah, I think we'll see what we got from this, and we'll uh, call it a night. All right. Sounds good, man. Thanks, everyone, again for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, TuneIn, Blueberry. Check us out on our website at tragquest.com. And check us out on Facebook and Instagram at tragquest. Our personal pages, Blacktail Nut, Bob the Bow Hunter, and 
Thanks for listening. We got a lot of good stuff coming up. We're hanging out this weekend, recording this outro at the Pope and Young shoot. Brownsville, Oregon. Brownsville, Oregon. And we got some great guests coming up. We got a lot of elk season talk coming. We got a few weeks. James is taking off on his antelope hunt, so I'm gonna be in charge of getting these out. So Yeah, we're gonna we'll do a recap when I get back from the antelope hunt, hopefully with uh, uh, Buck in the truck. And if not, at least a good time will be had out there in the desert. I hear it's going to be like 110 degrees. Like, is that antelope hunting weather? It is. It'll be a good time. So that'll be awesome. We will promise you guys some whoppity action uh, here the next couple of weeks. we got a lot of good elk hunters lined up. So thanks again for listening. And that's episode 10. It's a wrap. we got Bob Borland on the hook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>